house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. So, the show started way before I was ready. So, just give me a moment, people. And we shall play a song. Yeah, we will. It might take me a minute to get one, but let's see. I know. How about we... Actually, this is the one I was thinking about. Let's see if we can get it up. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see if we get commercials first. Oh, wait. It's only six seconds, so... <laughs> right. Hold on one minute. Okay. Here we go. Ready? No, is this actually is this a commercial? Or is this actually a song? I'm not sure I can't tell. Well, let's see. Not terribly energetic. It feels... Oh, it's commercial. <laughs> Alright, hold on just one second here. Let me go ahead and sign in to my YouTube account. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Let's see. Nobody's watching this episode anyway. Who cares? It's Mother's Day. Everybody's or, gone. For what it's worth, I had a song go. ready to go. Right, here we go. But then... This is what I was thinking of. Really? Really. Did it seriously just stop? Sounds yes. good to stop. Really? Really. How about we refresh the page? Oh, wait. My computer's frozen now. Well, mm -hmm. what, I had a song ready to go, but it was all based on where I was going to go. The Bible study portion. Mm. The headline we had, but... Headline before going live. Oh, well. Go ahead, play it, because my, my computer is frozen. I shut it down, because oh. we well. changed... <laughs> the, when, when my computer the title was decides changed. to... Uh, like, wait, hold on a second. I'm g it's going like this. There it is. So you know the name of the song? This intro? Mm -hmm. I know what it is intro too. This particular intro is, is actually based on a Bach piece. but It is? So do you know whose song this is? Yeah, I do. Whose? Amy Grant. Alright, there you go. Got it, people. Amy Grant, one of the most famous Christian mothers in the world. Uh-huh. True story, actually. Big lead in. There we go. One more. Hallelujah. Give your praise to the Lord. I can never tell you just how much good that's 
YouTube isn't on. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, we know. <laughs> Uh, so you, you know YouTube's not on? Yes, it's not cooperating. Ah, okay. could have just said that instead of your... <laughs> I, I was trying to be clandestine about it. You give me all these weird hand signals. I'm like, <laughs> steal second? <laughs> Stop at third? What? <sighs> yeah, YouTube just isn't cooperating. I don't know what the deal is. Mm. Says that we're live, but the first, but the fee's not coming through, so I don't know. I got a big glass of water tonight. Look at that. It's as big as my head. Look at how long that is. Mm. But, By the uh, end of the show, I'm going to have all that gone. Tell me this is familiar. I can't. Okay, got to wait. Hold on a minute. I put my ear sets in. Oh, yeah, this sounds like Amy Grant's song. Well, it's not at that part yet, but... Hi, Natasha. Hi, Sean. Hello. Hello, anybody else watching? I actually didn't expect anybody to show up tonight, just so you know. It's uh, Prelude and Fugue at number two in C minor from the Well-Tempered Bavier. So this is going to be the third song that will get flagged on our show today. It's long piece, but I'm not gonna play it all. But you'll hear that that specific part oh. that that intro is based upon. It's not you know note for note, but hmm. the chord progression and many of the uh, phrases are in there. And apparently, Rich Mullins wrote the song. I wasn't okay. Didn't good. Know that part, but all right. Well, so tonight, people, what we're gonna tonight, do? Tonight, people. Tonight, people. I didn't expect anybody to show up. So most of you are watching the archive. So hello. Feel free to send me a message if you tuned into the archive. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, so today is Mother's Day. A lot of people are um, probably eating dinner with their moms or dessert or something, which is a good thing. If you have that type of relationship with your mom where you can, that's awesome. But Randall's going to teach at the bottom of the hour. I decided I would talk at the top of the hour, which has killed half of the first part of the half hour. <laughs> and just say, hey, people, I know some people have a hard day on Mother's Day. Um, in fact, my pastor, his sermon today was actually very good. He talked about Rahab, 
and Ruth. Two women in the Bible who are moms who had one, well, Rahab was a prostitute. She was actually, many believe that she was actually the the madam of the house. She, she actually ran the brothel. Um, and then there was um, Ruth, who was a Moabitess, which means that she was a secular uh, pagan worshiper who eventually was redeemed by Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. And anyway, through that line, King David came and then Jesus came. So it's interesting because um, um, Rahab and Ruth are both in the line, the line of David and Jesus came through that line, the motley line that it was. And yeah, anyway, there's an interesting thing my pastor talked about. He talked about how um, Rahab, um, you know, Rahab hid the spies, you know, Joshua and Caleb, they spied out the land. And anyway, Rahab had a part in protecting them and she well, posted, it wasn't them. It wasn't them, it was other people. I know, I'm just making a big long story here. Anyway, right. the scarlet rope that she hung saved her. Yeah, it did. But anyway, you can read about that in the book of Joshua. Is that right? Joshua chapter two. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so here's the thing. Let's get real, people. Okay? Look, a lot of us had crappy mothers. Okay? I'm just going to say it. My mom wasn't the best. She failed big time in the mom department. Does it mean I don't love her? No. Does it mean that she was not a good mother? Yes, it does. <laughs> but here's the thing. Just because you didn't have a good mom or you had a bad experience with your mom or something, you know, all of us have one thing in common. Actually, two things in common. One, we all came from our mother's womb. They, If you're living, your mom didn't kill you. So that's a good thing. Uh, and And so you can at least honor her for letting you live. That's one thing. The second thing is... Um, John came in and I, <laughs> I got distracted. Hey, John, are you actually here? You're really here. Oh, I haven't seen you in forever. I hope you're doing good. Um, well, anyway, the second thing is, is that, um, you know, just because maybe you had a bad mom or a horrible mom or a bad experience with your mom, it does not mean that you have to walk in their footsteps and repeat the pattern that happened with you, right? Um, I didn't, you know, in fact, if you knew my mother <laughs> compared to, and, and I mean, you already know me, I'm pretty, obs I'm pretty transparent, but if you met my mom, you'd be like, wow, it's amazing that you could be n as nice and as stable as you are. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, thank you, John. Yeah. We've been thinking a lot about Tug today. Well, we've been thinking a lot about Tug actually every day since he left. But but I believe, hopefully, he's in heaven. We know that he had, you know, he was kind of the face of evil. So, you know, there could be some exceptions. You know, he might have maybe didn't get in heaven. He might have just squeaked on by. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, he's in heaven. Uh, hopefully all of our animals are in heaven, but, um, but anyway, my point here is that, you know, look, 
One of the things that makes you who you are is your parents, right? I mean, your mom and your dad, they created you. Um, and the thing is that, you know, you're here because of them, like it or not, right? And as I always say, you can take the good and spit out the bones, right? Because you don't want to choke on the bones and die. <laughs> uh, but is it easy? No. I mean, you know, my sister-in-law-in-law, she's not my actual sister-in-law, but she's my brother's sister-in-law, but I've known her since high school. Her name's Sandy. Um, one of the first things I, I read this morning when I was on Facebook was, you know, that she was thinking about those of us who didn't have nurturing moms or we had abusive moms or we couldn't have children of our own, you know, or maybe, you know, uh, we've lost a child or maybe maybe we've aborted a child. Um, she was thinking about everybody that nobody thinks to celebrate or consider on on Mother's Day. And it's funny because I did some research a couple of years ago on the history of Mother's Day. And the woman who founded the holiday for Mother's Day, she never wanted it to be like it is today. In fact, she loved her mom so much. She wanted to honor her mom, but she never wanted it to be this big commercial thing that it, that it turned into. Um, and frankly, I just think it puts a lot of pressure on everybody. Um, I think husbands, fathers, you know, are uh, stressed out and they don't know how to deal with their moms or whatever. I think kids who are little, they're forced to make cards. They don't know what it means. It's, I mean, it's just, it, it's stressful and we don't do it. We don't go to the degree, you know, on Father's Day that we do on Mother's Day. So, you know, I think every day you should honor your mom and your dad. If you're lucky to have them, you should at least respect them, right? Doesn't mean you gotta like them, doesn't mean you have to trust them, especially if they've been abusive towards you. But, you know, you honor the the um, office, if you will, kind of like our president. You don't have to like our president, but you can honor the, the office of president, um, you know, and respect the authority that God gave. And I think that's what it's about. I think it's about respecting that place. Um, and you know, nobody is perfect. I get that. You get that. And a lot of us have struggled through wanting to please somebody that we knew would never be pleased, you know, and, and sometimes those patterns get, get, um, get copied in relationships. Right. And, you know, sometimes people, they, they just don't get it. You know, they, they pretend. And, and that's what bothers me. I think what bothers me is that our society doesn't, doesn't really give you the opportunity to be honest about maybe the hurt that's really deep on a day like today. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that for years skipped church on Mother's Day. Because on Mother's Day, the church, like, makes a big deal about it. You know, here's a flower for every woman because you're all mothers. No, we're not. We're not all moms, just so you know. And this is very irritating that you do this, you know. I mean, <laughs> but don't say that. Can't you just rejoice for those? Well, can't you people, like, feel some empathy for those of us who, who don't have what you have? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the ball goes both ways, right? So, I, I mean, I know I was a therapist who dealt with, clients like me who didn't have the best upbringing. Um, but I do think that there is more sensitivity today uh, to that. 
than than there ever used to be, honestly. I mean, I was really pleased to hear my pastor's sermon because it was the first time I actually heard uh, a pastor give a sermon that highlighted women in the Bible, moms in the Bible who weren't perfect, who had bad backgrounds, who probably treated other people bad um, at some point, you know, pre their relationship with God. So, you know, I know for my mom, my mom wasn't all bad, but she was very abusive. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I can't forget that. It doesn't mean I haven't forgiven it. I have forgiven it, but that's not something I'm going to forget. You know, uh, I'm not going to lionize my mom and go, oh, she was the greatest thing in the world because she wasn't. My mom was a bitter, angry, selfish, vindictive person and a, and abusive. And it wasn't until she became a Christian on her deathbed, really, that I saw any change in her life. And I'm just happy that she made it into heaven, you know, and I really, really, really am happy that she made it into heaven. But that doesn't change the fact that I have 34 years of abuse behind me, you know, before she became a believer. And even after she was a believer, she wasn't perfect and she never repented and confessed her sin that she did, she did against me. I mean, my mom handed me over to be molested by my great uncle and then she, she defended him so he could get out of jail so that she didn't have to go on the stand. You know, that was my mother, you know, I mean, you know, so I might walk around and go, Hey, you know, my mom was the most super great mom in the whole entire world. No, she wasn't by any stretch. Did she do the best she could? I don't think so. I think some people use that to comfort themselves. I think my mom knew exactly what she was doing. And I think, uh, I, I think she could have done a lot better if she chose to. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not living in that denial world there. But what I will say is I've learned a lot from my mom. Um, you know, some of the good things my mom did was she taught me how to read when I was three years old. Uh, to this day, Reading comprehension is my strongest subject in school. You know, reading, um, all that stuff. I, you know, I'm an overachiever because I started school when I was three. And I learned how to read when I was three. I did my homework. My mom made sure I did. My mom made sure I was fed, clothed, had a roof over my head. Uh, she gave me the basics that I needed. And she taught me to stand up for myself and not take any lip from a, from a man. <laughs> Not that I ever would, because I wouldn't, but my mom was very outspoken. She was from New York, and you had no, my mom, you had no, you, you did not have to worry about what my mom meant or what she was saying, because she would just say it in the most uncouth way possible. <laughs> and my husband can testify to that, just saying, um, so, and my mom could, uh, you know, she could persuade and she, you know, if she had wanted to do good for others, she would have had the ability to do that, but she didn't. She was one of the most self-serving people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, and she was a classic narcissist on steroids. I mean, you know, I didn't know all this growing up. I thought that this was a normal thing. I thought that was the type of mom that everybody had because that's what we all think, right? But what I can say is that even despite all of that, God has used how my mom trained me 
to help other people. And, you know, I would not be who I am today without having that influence in my life, right? Now, on the other hand, I can say that the Lord has given me probably, oh, I can think of at least 20 or 30 other women in my life that have mothered me um, and been very consistent and loving and nurturing and godly influences in my life. I mean, if I took the time to tell you who all who, who all of them were, I, I would be here a long time because I've had so many good mothers in my life that the Lord provided for me. And that's what I hope that you, if you happen to have an experience like me, I hope that you have other women in your life who can reach out to you and show you how it should have been, right? For you. Because I don't believe for one minute and I don't think it's biblical anyway. I don't believe for one minute God desires that any of us have a bad mother or a bad father. But since it's Mother's Day, I'm talking about mothers. Um, are you with me on that? Do you guys agree with that? Because, you know, because that's just not who God is. I mean, he, he desired for all of us to be nurtured and loved. You know, that's why he created us and gave us a mother and a father. So, you know. I think about one of my very first prayer partners. Her name is Maggie. And and I actually met Maggie when I was about 19, 20 years old. And um, she is probably 20 years older than me. So she was in her 40s when I met her in recovery, um, dealing with her, her, her recovery issues. Um, I had gotten into therapy because I needed to know how to deal with my mom and I did not want to, to repeat any of the things should I have had children with my kids that my mom put me through, which was a big motivator for me in therapy. And so one day I met this woman named Maggie at church and her and I became friends and Maggie, um, and I became prayer partners. And so for years... Uh, a number of years, her and I prayed together, right? I mean, she was she was a legit prayer partner, uh, somebody who I could count on to be there for me and everything. And we are still connected to this day on Facebook. I still have conversations with her not too long ago, actually, a couple months ago. We did a, a video chat on Facebook Live and reconnected after all, many years of not seeing each other. Um, and she was so happy that I had found Randall and gotten married, that I have a good marriage. Um, and just super blessed that the prayers that I had prayed for my future husband, you know, had been answered. You know, so I think about her. I think about my friend Mary, who stood up for me at my wedding um, when I got married to Randall and whose husband, Paul, happened to be a bouncer at my wedding because my mom threatened to disrupt my wedding and we we had to make provision ahead of time with my mom fully knowing that if she decided to act up at my wedding in any way paul was going to throw her out on her butt do you think my mom acted up at my wedding nope because barry was standing up there next to me when i was getting given away and paul was sitting in really close to my mother and ready to, to hustle her out in the event she tried to do something uh, and there was a lot of indicators that she would, but she knew because I set up that ex expectation before I got married that it was either she was going to be good or she would get her butt thrown out, right? I mean, <laughs> so, 
So I think about Mary as, as a very positive influence in my life. I think about people like Janet Parshall, who, um, you know, whereas she's not my mother, um, the woman mentored me through the radio for a decade, actually closer to 20 years, really, um, you know, and sent me numerous emails, taught me a lot of stuff about how to broadcast and, you know, just different things like that. I looked up to her as a spiritual mom and a lot of who I am today, um, as she would say, she fingerprinted on my heart, God's word in a way that my mom never did, you know? And so there are so many people that God places in your life that if you just look for them, you can see his, his gift in that. And so you can, you can hold on to that. If you're somebody that doesn't have, um, you know, that close relationship that you wish you had with your mom. Um, I happen to know people in our audience who have children that are alienated from them through no fault of their own. And, you know, today's like probably a day from hell from them because, because they're dealing with parental alienation and stuff. Um, I have friends in my audience who've had abortions, you know, who are thinking about their babies that they, they, they aborted and ignorance and didn't really know what was going on really when they did it. Um, you know, I have friends who've adopted children. I have friends who are barren like me. It's, it's tough being a woman, but you know, here's the thing. Also, I want to read you this. And then after this, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, uh, let Bareface take over because, uh, Robbie Zacharias, in case you guys didn't know, uh, was just given either the best news of his life or the, or the, the worst news of his life, I suppose, depending on how you look at it. Uh, Robbie is, um, probably in my opinion, the best Christian apologist, um, in modern history to walk the earth in my lifetime, in my lifetime, I believe. And, um, he was basically just told the cancer that he has is basically really, really, it's, it's untreatable and they don't know how much time he has, but, um, it's not, it's not short. I mean, it's not long. He has, you know, he's, he will probably be dying soon. Um, but his ministry today, uh, posted, uh, this, this passage of scripture to read for Mother's Day. And I, I thought I'm going to read it because in, in the, um, in the, um, um, commentary that they wrote, he basically said, this passage is for, for all women, whether you're barren, whether, you know, you're not, etc. And what it is, is it's Isaiah 54. So listen to this. I read this too. I was, I was thinking about this. Isaiah 54, it says this. It says, shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains of your dwellings, spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your descendants will possess nations and will resettle the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, but you will forget the shame of your youth, and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. 
For your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth when she is rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I forsook you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an outburst of anger I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. For this is like the days of Noah to me, when I swore that the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will, will not be removed from you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony, and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and brings out a weapon for its work, and I have created the destroyer to ruin. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that accuses you in judgment you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me declares the Lord. So I read this and, you know, this is actually talking about the fertility of Zion, right? Um, but it, I think it, it, it can apply and there are principles in here uh, for women, you know, for, for many women, the married woman is mentioned, the widow is mentioned, the woman who has no child is mentioned. Um, and I personally find it comforting. This, these first couple of verses, shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed, for the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. I think that's a pretty powerful prophecy to Israel personally. Um, but I also think that there can be truth for the person like me, um, you know, because how it speaks to me is that whereas I may not have a actual birth child, I believe this show has touched millions of people at this point, And I'm not exaggerating because I know that I've had well over a million downloads in the time that I've done this show. Um, and there could be a lot of fruit from this show that I, I don't know about, but God does. And, um, so I find a lot of hope in that and I hope that you do too. So I don't know, Randall, do you want to weigh in on that or do you want to take over the show since I've gone over already? Um, or what? Mostly what? What? Uh, 
Were you ignoring everything I just said? You were, no. weren't you? Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't. You weren't? I was paying lying? a lot of attention to YouTube. It just isn't going to work today. Yeah. So, it is what it is. Or, and that's, it's not. Oh. Oh, well. So, I'm just going to abandon YouTube. It's just, it won't hold on for more than a few seconds. Anyway, a, you know, on, not directly tied to motherhood, but also directly tied to motherhood. I'm going to sneeze. Sneezing isn't directly tied. But um, something that is, if it was not for motherhood, this question would not exist. But there was a question uh, from Twitch. Okay. That is, when children die, do they go to heaven? And I've got an answer for that. Okay. Um, I don't know if you want to weigh in on that. Sure, I'll weigh in. You can tell me if you agree. All right. I think in scripture that there is an age of accountability. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's about 13, I think. I think that's close to the age. Um, so I, I believe scripturally that if a child is younger than that, then yes, I think they automatically get an entrance into heaven. I think if they have reached the age of accountability, meaning that they under, that they have the ability to understand salvation and they've heard the gospel and they choose to reject it or accept it, I think that there's consequences. There can be consequences either way. That's my thought. Yeah, I don't think there's a particular age of accountability mentioned in Scripture. It doesn't say, here's the age of accountability. Traditionally, of course, in, in, in Jewish tradition, um, used to be young men, but it more recent history includes young women. You know, they have either the bar or the bat mitzvah, the son of the commandment or the daughter of the commandment. And that is at age 13 when in the Jewish community they are um, given the responsibility, they expect to be responsible for their own spiritual growth and, and knowing the scriptures. And part of that uh, ceremony is being able to read the Hebrew scriptures and uh, in some form, you know, to some extent, I should say. Anyway, but looking at scripture, a couple of scriptures come to mind, and that is um, in, as through the Exodus, if you think about the Exodus from Egypt, and then, and then when they came at the promised land, you mentioned the spies earlier, Mm -hmm. Uh, Joshua and Caleb and 12 spies sent out to return to good report. And 10 gave an evil report or saying, yeah, there, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but there's giants and whatever, and we can't do it. And then, you know, they didn't have faith. Um, and Caleb said, yeah, it's a land full of milk and honey. Yeah, there are giants, but God has promised us this land, and, you know, we can do it through God anyway. So the majority of the people said, forget it, we're hiking our way back to Egypt. And then we came all this way to the promised land, and if it's, you know, if it's crawling with giants and, you know, then forget it. We're out of here. At least, you know, if we go back to Egypt, we can, you know, have what we knew uh, there. We're not going to die. Anyway, but in short, um, what happened there, um, um, yeah, I'm... I could paraphrase, but I'll just, I will just read it uh, from Numbers chapter 14. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say to them, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so I will do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me, uh, doubtless ye shall not come to the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. So it's like, well, if you know, God brought us out just to kill us, you know, we and our children are going to, you know, fall, you know, our carcass is going to, fine, that's what you wanted? <laughs> that's what you get. If you've spoken it, fine. Only it's not your children, it's 20 years and up that have murmured against me. And so, in that case, um, you know, it was, you know, there's two conditions, the 20 years up and those who have murmured against me. So there could have been, in my mind, in the in the logical way my mind works, and having done you know the truth tables and geometry and written computer programs, uh, you know those are the conditions. Twenty years old and up and murmured against me. So if you're nineteen years old and murmured against him, you're good to go. If you're twenty years old or not, which we give Joshua and Caleb, they they got to go in. They were above 20 years old, so 20 years old seems to be an age of accountability, at least for, for those from the Exodus. Okay. And as we know, going into um, Deuteronomy and into Joshua is that second generation, the children of the Exodus, who were those that were under 20, that grew up and got to go in. Um, and then I also think of Second uh, Samuel. Uh, you know, David had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and the child from that adulterous union uh, got sick and ultimately died. And while the child lay sick, David was fasting and weeping and praying. And, uh, and then once the child died, he got up, basically washed himself, and went to eat. When our life is normal, and uh, picking up in Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse twenty-one, then said his servants unto him, "What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread." And he said, "While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead." Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And you might think, well, he's just talking about going to the grave or whatever, but but that's not the, the, the sense of it. Um, and, and it's odd. We don't see much mention of it elsewhere, but the Lord himself, Yeshua, talks about children and their angels in heaven, which um, are, you know, constantly observing so, them. I think I think we're streaming on YouTube now. I don't see how, because no. I, I killed it all together. Oh, you did? Okay. Well, yeah. Barb was there. She said hi. 
Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a half hour ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's saying go live, and it can't. I can't go live because I'm not streaming video data to you anymore. So it's it's been freaking out. Anyway, so I can't point to a chapter and verse that says here. Here's the age of accountability, and here here's proof that children go to heaven when they die. But there seems to be uh, uh, some pretty clear implication that there is an age of accountability, yeah. and that, and until someone is of a particular age, uh, whereas we are all born with the sin nature, and by nature, you know. By nature, children of wrath, as the scripture says, uh, there does seem to be um, an age at which we are accountable with that knowledge. So, that's my answer to that. Okay. So, I think we're in agreement. Good. Yeah, and there's, I mean, we could talk more about that. Hopefully, that answers your question. If you're still watching over there on Twitch. Um, so I got 15 minutes before I need to get onto a Zoom with somebody. Yeah. So I'm going to bow out. You can take over the rest of the show. Okay. Be that way. Happy yeah. Mother's Day, people. Hopefully we helped you. I don't know if we did or not. But, you know, you can email me and tell me if I did or not. You're not bowing. Mm. Okay. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right. Hey, um, anyway, what I was um, thinking about earlier this morning, uh, on Facebook yesterday I had posted a question to myself, basically, about the, there aren't, there aren't only two, but there are two particular narratives of this current pandemic that are basically uh, polar opposites. Um, there is the narrative that is coming from basically government agencies uh, about the origins of the novel coronavirus 19, identified in 2019, COVID-19. And and uh, and then how to how as a society to deal with it, the whole shelter in place kind of thing. And on the other hand, there is there are there are a group. There is a group. Well, group is singular, so I could be is a group, but it's not really a group. Uh, disparate healthcare workers, uh, several doctors I've seen, uh, seemingly unrelated to each other who are basically talking about how they're being incentivized to give a a um, diagnosis of COVID-19 on, on, on death, um, death reports, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Certificates, there we go, <laughs> certificate, certificate of death, just like the birth certificates, it's death certificates. Um, there are those that, uh, you know, doctors saying that, and 
that if we shelter in place, then we're weakening our immune systems. And, and anyway, so there are these um, diametrically opposed views. And I ask myself, you know, who's right? Is the one right or is the truth in between two extremes? And in any case, if, if the government narrative is wrong, what is our responsibility as uh, not just citizens, but believers specifically uh, when, when uh, the government uh, prescription of things uh, is, is not right, if it's not right in this case. And many will turn to uh, Paul's writings, and I'd like to do that in Romans uh, chapter 13. Paul, speaking of government, he says that every soul should be subject unto the higher powers, for there's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoever, whosoever resists the power resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do what is good, and thou wilt have praise of the same. For his minister is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he bears not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that does evil. Um, and so are, you know, well, I'll go ahead and read the next. Wherefore, you must uh, needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause, pay you tribute, tribute also, or taxes, if you will. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to fear, honor to whom honor. So, Paul seems like an advocate of civil obedience rather than civil disobedience. And... Somewhat similar, in writing to young Pastor Timothy, he wrote, I exhort, therefore, first of all, uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and all godliness, sorry, godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Um, so the, the viewpoint there is you know, praying for those in authority, kings, all who are in authority, uh, why the the praying for them that we might lead quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and honesty. Um, that that is the, that is the, um, sort of the upshot of that. That's the ideal that government agencies are out there, uh, to punish evildoers and we should be praying for them and paying for them 
uh, that we might live quiet lives in all godliness and honesty, peaceful and quiet lives. Um, and for the sake of, of our gospel witness, uh, not only in our behavior, but in our speech as well, um, that we should be praying for a governmental situation in which the gospel is not hindered. Uh, either in in deed or in word. But then, I believe that the you know whole counsel of Scripture is something to you know consider. And in the books of Book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, Luke records a time when um, um, Paul. Um, was going through Macedonia, and and after he passed in Macedonia and Caia, said he needed to go to Jerusalem. Anyway, and he sent into Macedonia to those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. Uh, verse 23, this is in Acts uh, chapter 19, by the way. And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. That would be Christianity. That would be the way of of the master <laughs> of of the Christ the Messiah for a certain man named Demetrius a silversmith who made silver shrines of Diana uh, brought no small profit to the craftsmen he called them together with the workers of similar occupations and said men you know of uh, that we have our prosperity of this trade moreover you see and hear that not only at Ephesus but throughout almost all Asia this Paul has persuaded and turned many people, saying they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, uh, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised, her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. A little exaggeration there. But what happens uh, basically incites this riot, and they go into the uh, amphitheater, and and there's all this tumult. And verse 30, And Paul wanted to go into the people. Uh, the, dis the disciples would not allow him. Um, Paul's like, hey, let me go set this thing straight. Um, you know, they're, on, they're accusing me of, you know, basically destroying their livelihood and overturning worship of Diana, which is our, you know, their cultural identity and all that. And, and he wanted to go in, uh, but it, the disciples wouldn't allow him to say, um, and as it turned out, uh, a city official went in and, um, actually some officials of Asia who, Asia, who were his friends, uh, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater. So not only, uh, those with him, his traveling companions, said, hey, don't go in there. Uh, some city officials familiar with him sent him, hey, don't go in there. Um, he wanted to do that. Probably thought he could, you know, set things straight. Uh, come to his own defense. But anyway, so as it turned out, you can go read it in Acts chapter 19. But he didn't need to go in, and the the riot was quelled, and people went home, and and um, 
the thing kind of worked itself uh, out. Um, so the lesson I get there is is choosing your battles carefully. You know, you may be right, you may be wrong, and even if you're right, you know, uh, to be gracious, had he gone in there um, against counsel uh, from other believers, uh, it may not have gone so well. Yet, um, in um, Acts chapter 16, we read of a time when Paul, along with Silas, uh, were in prison. In uh, anyway, um, Acts 16, uh, pick it up in verse 16. Uh, now it happened as they went into prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, Luke speaking the first person, so he was obviously with them at the time, anyway, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us, cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very, hour, that very hour. But her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Anyway, similar thing. These men, being Jews, trouble our city. They teach us customs that are not lawful. Blah, blah, blah. And they get thrown into prison. They're in Philippi. And then the great thing is just they're singing praise to the Lord. An earthquake comes, opens the doors. Uh, the prison doors are open, but none of the prisoners escape, and the Philippian jailer comes to um, faith uh, in the Lord. Um, they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and you will be saved, you and your household." And uh, he came to faith. Anyway, and then after all this, um, the. The officials find out that Paul's a Roman citizen, and apparently Silas was too. And um, uh, verse 35, when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer saying, let these men go, or let those men go. Uh, so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart. Go in peace. Isn't that what to pray for? The, you know, we live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and, and honesty. Well, verse 37, but Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now they put us out secretly? No, indeed, let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers were, the officers told these words to the magistrates, and when they were afraid, they and they were afraid when they heard they were Romans, they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So, there was an occasion when, yeah, lead a peaceful life, but there is, there's a great injustice going on here. The, the government officials were acting unjustly and needed to be held accountable to it. Instead of putting away their mistakes quietly, I uh, said, hey, let them come themselves. They're not going to mistreat us and... And then try to put us away quietly, you know, they need to face up to it, let them come themselves. So in all of this, 
at um, coming up at the top of the it is the top of the hour now. Um, what is the takeaway from this? Well, I'm gonna again going from the Apostle Paul's writings and behaving ourselves, and it's pretty much what the Lord Yeshua, what Jesus Himself said, and um, and Paul is just repeating what the Lord said. And that's bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, weep them with them that weep, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceits, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So, there is a time to be demonstrative, to be active, if you will, uh, be an activist, but it's not ever to be um, um, in a way of uh, being vengeful or or wrong or uh, dishonest or any of that. Uh, do not be not overcome of evil. Don't let over evil overcome you, but overcome evil with good. Anyway, awkward place to leave, but hey, it is the top of the hour. So with that, I will remind you to, in all of your doings, all of your goings, to be bold, to stand up. But when you do, go with God, because he loves you. Good night. God bless.